You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Our scripture reading, second scripture reading, is actually not Mark 1, as is printed in your bulletin. There, uh, there's a last-minute change there. Nor is it uh, Mark 10, which is what Holt is preaching on right now, and will preach again in Sanctuary, worth coming to hear. Uh, but we're going to stick more with this uh, text from Exodus, and we're going to hear a little more of the rest of the story of the call of Moses. So we're picking up right where uh, John Daniel left off, uh, the very next verse, Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 6. He said, Further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was terrified to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings and have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me, And I have now seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hold on. Okay. So today's sermon is going to be about, hold on. Okay, today we're talking, dang it. We've all been there, haven't we? Maybe we're the one trying to have a conversation, or maybe we're the one with the phone that keeps getting distracted. And it's not just devices. There can be any number of things that keep us from being fully present with somebody. Maybe we're preoccupied with something at work or at home or in our personal lives. Sometimes there's just someplace else you'd rather be, and it shows. Sometimes we're engaged in the conversation, but we're only halfway listening because in our minds we're already formulating what we're going to say next even though we really only heard the first part of what they said. Our society has come to expect us to multitask. And even though neuroscience has shown that 
we can never really focus on more than one thing at once. We just switching, keep switching from one thing to one thing to another, uh, not paying real close attention to any of them. Here's something that happens to me all the time. As pastors, we often have to build in a little bit of extra time to get from point A to point B in the church. On any given day around here, there's enough activity that if we have to move around the building, uh, in, especially if we're moving around a large part of the building, we're likely to run into somebody or often several somebodies. And I learned very early in my ministry that so much of our ministry happens in those interruptions. And so I try to never shortchange those meetings in the hallway, but it's still hard to not keep looking at my watch and thinking about the thing that I was going to do in the first place. And heaven help me if point A and point B happen to both be right here in Fogarty Hall during Wednesdays at first. So often I'll be talking to someone when someone else that I really need to talk to walks right behind them and the temptation for me is to try to track them with their eyes to see where they land without really being fully present to the person in front of me. I'm getting much better about this though. And when someone stops to talk to me about something going on in their lives in the handshake line after worship, I've gotten so I no longer worry about all the other people that are streaming by, um, even if it's that visitor that I don't know their name, because I know that this is important. This Sunday is the second of our sermons in this Godspeed series. Last week we talked about place, and today we are talking about presence. Place and presence are intimately related, as we will see as we look at this Moses encounter with, with God in the burning bush. Notice that Exodus 3 is very specific about the place where this happened and that place is significant. Moses is in the wilderness keeping the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he was at a very specific place, a place that he would come to know very well if he didn't know it well already from shepherding Jethro's flock there. That place is Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, also known as Mount Sinai, the place where, among other things, God would later give the people the Ten Commandments, twice. So we have a place, a very significant place. But what does that say about presence? The first thing I want to point out is that God was present. Even though he may have seemed absent to the Israelite people, Remember in that text, when he was speaking to Moses, he said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt. 
I have heard their cry from their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them from the Israelites. The cry of Israelites has now come to me, and I have seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. God was there with them. God came down and heard their cries and saw their ministry or their misery. God was present in Egypt with God's people. God was present with Moses in that burning bush. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus, in his well-known great commission at the end of the gospel of Matthew, the text that we read at every single baptism, Jesus promised to be with us always to the end of the age. God is always present. Psalm 139 asks, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, that's the far east, or settle at the farthest limits of the sea, the far west, even there your hand shall lead me. There is no place we can go that God is not already present. But Moses was also present. It was his presence that allowed him to experience the presence of God. Moses was aware enough of his surroundings to notice this odd burning bush that wasn't burning up and pay attention to the fact that once Moses starts interacting with God, once that interchange begins, we no longer hear anything about any sheep. Perhaps that's to be expected in light of the amazing experience that Moses is having, but the text gives us no sense that Moses keeps looking across the, the, the burning bush to make sure that all Jethro's sheep are there. He is present there with God. And he said something, words that we hear echoed over and over and over and over again in sacred stories. He said, here I am. Here I am. Way back in Genesis 22, in the story of the almost sacrifice of Isaac, Abraham utters those same words not once but three times. First, when God calls him to take Isaac with him to the mountain. Second, when Isaac calls out to his father to inquire where the sacrifice is. And finally, a third time, when the angel of the Lord calls out to Abraham from heaven, staying his hand and allowing him to see the ram caught in the thicket. Each time, Abraham responded with those same words, Here I am. This response, here I am, happens five times in the story of Jacob. First, the old blind Isaac calls out for Esau, and Esau responds with, here I am. Then when the ruse has been put in motion and Jacob calls out to his father Isaac, Isaac responds, here I am, questioning if the one speaking is his son. Well, it is, but not the one he expects. The phrase appears two more times when, when an angel or God speaks to J Jacob and Jacob responds, here I am. This phrase keeps coming up in the Bible, perhaps my favorite because it's the story where one of my sons got his name, is the call of Samuel. 
over and over again in that story. Samuel hears his name in the night and he responds, here I am, until finally he realizes that it is the Lord that is calling to him and responds, speak, for your servant is listening. The well-known hymn, Here I Am, Lord, which I think we're singing a little bit later, somewhat conflates all of these stories. So I hope you hear all these stories as you sing those words. Stories of so many where God calls and God's people faithfully respond, here I am. And here I am is not just about location, is it? It's not just a pin dropped on the screen in Google Maps or the you are here star on a trail map posted at the trailhead. Like John Daniel mentioned with the kids, I remember those roll calls in school. Teacher would call out names in alphabetical order and we would each shout back here except for that one kid who wanted to be smart, well, I'll say smart and let you fill in the rest. (laughs) That precocious kid who would shout out, present. And while that kid, and there was always at least one, and after there was one, there was always a whole lot more, that kid was probably just being goofy. But there's something in that replacement of here with the word present. Present says something a little more doesn't it? I know you're here, but are you really with me? So what about you? You're here. That means something. That means a lot, actually. But are you really present? Are you present here in worship, or are you already on the golf course or the lake or the Father's Day barbecue, or making your grocery list for next week. Friends, when we are present to God and present to one another, we truly are on holy ground, just as Moses was. It is a holy space, wherever we are, when we open ourselves to the presence of God, but it is also holy ground when we are truly present to one another. When we open ourselves uh, to know and to be known. When we see and hear the person in front of us, not as an adversary, not as someone who might could help us with something, uh, but as a human being created in God's image, a fellow child of the living God. That indeed is holy space where God appears, my friends. There's one more story I want to bring into this mix as we talk about presence. I'm not leaving the New Testament completely behind. Um, If you take a look at the front of your bulletin, if I can find mine, there is a picture there. Can you tell what, what, that is, what story that picture is depicting? Mary and Martha, thank you. It's okay to, to, to speak. 
I love that th- this image. I love how we have in the foreground Martha and someone else w- with her. And look at the expression on her face. And look how far distant Jesus and Mary and another disciple are. Jesus has come to their house, but Martha isn't present, is she? I want to speak um, specifically to dads right now, but this applies to the rest of you moms and friends and children's too. Too often, like Martha, we fathers allow our busy lives to prevent us from being present to the people in our lives. And that's not all bad stuff. It may be work, it may be church, it may be service to the community, it may be service to a neighbor who needs it. It may be self-care, which is also very important. And I know it's not just the fathers, but I had a father who was a very good man in a whole lot of ways, but he wasn't present much. He was away from home many evenings doing things in the community and things at the church. And when he was home, he was a a high school math teacher. So when he was home, he often had this thing across uh, his, his chair grading papers well into the night. And all of that stuff that he was doing was good and important. But sometimes I missed him. Now, we did lots of good things together. I remember many fond memories. But in my day-to-day, he just wasn't present all that much. I think he realized that after my parents' divorce. But even after that, he and I had a hard time connecting. I've tried to live differently as a father. And I've learned how to say no, even to good things. Just this past week, I had a meeting in the evening on Monday, and then a program at Montreat that I really wanted to go to on Tuesday evening, and then my mom's 80th birthday celebration was on Wednesday evening, and then we had that um, fellowship on two wheels bike ride that, that, that I've been doing on Thursday evening, And as interesting as it would have been to go to Montreat and hear about the Psalms of Middle Earth, Tolkien's use of song to tell a story and create a world, isn't that a great title? And as much as I would have enjoyed probably seeing friends up there that I don't get to see all that often, I decided not to go to Montreat on Tuesday evening, but to stay home, to cook dinner for my boys, to be present with them around that table that evening, and I'm so glad that I did. This series is called Godspeed. This kind of presence means slowing down. 
It means saying no to some good things so that you can be present to the things, to the people to whom you have already said yes. And it means slowing down our minds too when we are present with people so that we can be attentive and focused on that presence. Let me tweak the language of Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Samuel just a little bit. Perhaps what we are called to is not so much just to say, here I am, sort of a statement of location. Maybe instead we can flip it to say, I am here. I am here, right in this space with you in these moments, and I am nowhere else. If we can do that, if we can try that, if we can truly be present with the people who are with us, then, my friends, amazing things are possible. Meaningful, life-giving, and life-changing relationships are possible. Dreams find fulfillment, hearts get healed, love gets shared, ideas become reality when we are present to each other, to the God who is always, always in our midst. The same God who promised to be Moses in this passage we just heard The same Jesus who came to be with us as a human being and said he would always be with us to the end of the age. Our very same Lord calls us to follow where he is gone, to be truly present with the people God has placed in our lives. Well, Stick around for Sunday school right in here after this, and we'll talk a little bit more about what it's like to be present to one another. But for now, let me extend an invitation to you. This week, I invite you to slow down. Slow your mind down. Open up some places in your calendar. Find those times when you can be present, truly present to the people in your lives. May God be in the midst of that time and cause it to flourish. Amen.